0: Welcome to the Dynasty Pulse Podcast. Your hosts, Nick Wagner and Joshua Johnson, have been described as not blowhards. Join them as they discuss the matters at the heart of the Dynasty community. From rookie advice to trade analysis, plant your flag here. This is the Dynasty Pulse, presented by DynastyFootballWarehouse.com. He was a well-conditioned animal, and every time he hit you, he tried to put you in the cemetery, not the hospital. Ah, yes, that was Deacon Jones on Dick Butkus. I quoted that last week, and I meant to have the clip loaded for last week, but I didn't. So there it was. Welcome to the Dynasty Pulse. I am your host, Joshua Johnson. With me, as always, is Nick. Hail to the Redskins later. What's up, buddy?
1: Oh, not much, Josh. Uh, survived the great Kihei flood of 2016. Uh, <laughs> flood waters came within about an inch of getting into our apartment. Luckily, they, the rain stopped just before that happened. So, doing good. How about yourself?
2: Uh,
0: it is too cold to flood here, I can tell you that much. But uh, doing good. Uh, obviously, a little upset by the Raiders' loss. But uh, I very encouraged, the fact that our defense was the one that kept us in that game. But, uh not all, yeah. Not the other two facets of the game weren't uh, in our favor, so that's I think ultimately why we lost. But I do like the growth our defense has uh, shown so far this year. Got a got a great show for you today. Uh, doing some sit or start madness. We're gonna take a look at every game, key matchups, who who you want to sit, who you want to start. If you have any questions during the pod here, just uh, tweet me at josh underscore dfw pulse or at nick underscore dfw pulse so we can hopefully get those questions answers here or if you are listening live um any week 14 notes or thoughts there nick
1: Well, of course, Le'Veon Bell is the biggest story, right around 300 yards and three scores. I hope you had him or at least didn't face him last week in your playoff matchup. Uh, Deshaun Jackson incredibly now only trails Jerry Rice in 60-plus-yard receptions. He's got now 22 uh, with an 80-yard touchdown that he scored against Philly. Uh, Detroit now has eight fourth-quarter comebacks in their nine wins. I wouldn't have even thought that possible, especially considering Matt Stafford played uh, this last week part of the game with a dislocated finger and torn ligaments in his throwing hand. you got to wonder if that's going to limit him moving forward, though. But if it does hinder his deep ball, that could mean more work for Eric Ebron and Antoine Bolden underneath. Uh, Never would I have thought that Russell Wilson could throw five interceptions in a game. Uh, But on the positive side, if you did have the guts to start guys like Trevor Simeon or Carson Wentz, you were awarded with 300-yard games on what was pretty much a down weekend for many quarterbacks league-wide.
0: Yeah, I kind of thought as a whole, just looking at some of the playoff matchups in in the leagues that I'm in, I think as a whole fantasy points were down, unless, of course, you had – Le'Veon Bell and Odell you know perfect storm of players like that that went off but yeah rough week for quarterbacks um I watched most of that game uh a lot of those were just some weird deflections and stuff but uh yeah that was not they weren't not even close to being in that game unfortunately um but uh I think you know if you survive the down week uh you should feel very lucky but don't uh don't panic, you know. Don't don't think you need to overhaul your team. It's just one week. It happens. It was, uh, like I said, a bad mix, unless, of course, you had the perfect mix. But uh, uh, the biggest thing that stood out for me is I was kind of excited that Mariota was on the bye last week because so was – or not on the bye, but I didn't have to play Mariota because my team was on a bye. Uh, but, and I know he played a solid, solid uh, pass defense, but six for 20 – and the Titans still won, and now Mariota's got to go into Kansas City. A little, little surprised by that. Um, and I I don't know if you guys out there are like me, but sometimes you're watching games and you're like, who is that guy that caught that ball? Um, and I did that this week when I was watching the Jacksonville Vikings game. A fellow by the name of Shane Wynn probably entered the year as maybe the sixth receiver there for uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, let's five, six, 159 pounds. I, I don't know for sure. Uh, but I think that's gotta be the smallest player in the NFL, uh, non-kicker, I should say smallest player, non-kicker in the NFL. He's even six pounds lighter than dolphins return specialist, Jackie Grant. So yeah, I just, sometimes just weird things pop out like that to me. And I just thought that was interesting. He's gotta be the smallest guy in the NFL. Don't you think Nick? Yeah, I mean, I haven't done any research,
1: but I would guess that he is. Yeah, got to root for anybody that size that's making it, uh, making a
0: name for themselves in the NFL, though. I mean, at least I think Darren Sproles might be five six, but he's—I think he's at least a solid 190 pounds. I mean, he's a pretty, he's a pretty thick dude for his lack of height. Um, so, a point that I tried to make last week, I ever so eloquently did not, but I think. You know, especially if you're middle of the row or even if you're top five, and let's say your team doesn't need running backs, if you could trade your first-round pick, I think because of this 2017 class being so running back heavy, and obviously we don't know if all these guys, you know, Rice Freeman hasn't said he's going to come out yet, if all these guys are going to come out, I think Mixon's kind of on the fence for Oklahoma there as well. But, I mean, we could be looking at, I feel like these last few years, Nick we've had the big four just four players that everybody wants and those are usually the top four picks but I think we could be looking at a big four or possibly five or six of running backs I mean we could honestly see some rookie drafts go and just depend on your league needs but some rookie drafts go Four, four running backs in those first five picks or, you know, six running backs in those, in those first ten picks. And that's usually not the case as, we, you know, all of us like to build with wide receivers. So I think if you have that top pick, you could maybe sacrifice that pick and get a player, get a veteran or get a young player, and still be able to draft a good wide receiver because I think the wide receiver class where it's not very strong, there's certainly going to be – push down to the bottom of the first middle of the second where you can get a quality wide receiver. Don't you think Nick?
1: Yeah, I think that's a great strategy, especially like you said, if you don't need a running back to then, yeah, don't don't reach for a wide receiver coming out of college, trade that pick away for an established wide receiver that you know you're going to get some value for. Yeah. I love that strategy.
0: Yeah. And even if you have the first, or the second pick, you know, Leonard Fournette, Dell and Cook territory as I think is kind of the uh the popular choices right now. You could get you could probably get a lot for that pick. Even if it means you swap with the guy that's tenth, you swap first round picks and you can maybe get a piece added onto that as well. Even if it's just like, you know, you know, uh, Mira Abdullah and you have theoretic, so you could, you know, solidify something else or, or different uh you know, a younger wide receiver or potentially a a veteran guy that you could know you could use next year. So I, I just think, I think more so than ever, this draft is going to be running back heavy and obviously we're months away from that, but that holding true and we haven't, have no idea what's going to happen to NFL draft, but uh I think you're going to see quality wide receivers go at the bottom of the first, middle of the second. So if you want to play with fire and get rid of that first round pick, because I played with fire, but if you want to do that, no way in full well that you could probably get a veteran piece for it or, you know, trade back and get maybe uh 2018 first. And then, you know, another first later on this year or something like that. I think it's a nice strategy to employ. Uh, any waiver fodder this, Nick? this week nick
1: well a little strategy i mean remember the old phrase you can't take it with you usually that applies to worldly possessions but it also applies to fantasy waiver dollars you know personally i have way too much money left over in most of our leagues i just didn't get as hit as hard with injuries as i do most years so you know if there's a sleeper that you like for 2017 or somebody you just want to add at the end of your roster and you still have like seven or eight hundred dollars left don't feel bad for overpaying like i did last week when i paid over $300 for Justin (laughs) Forsett in a best ball league. Um, You know, that being said, not a whole lot of names this week. I think maybe uh, Kenneth Farrow, the running back for San Diego, uh, Matt Moore, the new quarterback in Miami, are a couple possible names. But really, it would be tough for me to start anybody in the playoffs that I'm just signing off of waivers at this time of year.
0: Yeah, Kenneth Farrow is a good choice. Uh, I haven't seen enough of him, even though he. He did okay. He still is averaging, you know, under four yards per carry, and you wonder just lack of experience. And just because, not that you have to have a huge draft pedigree for me to trust you, but I have no idea who this guy even is. I mean, I had, could not, as much as I love college football, I couldn't even tell you where the guy went to college right now. And I know I should, as a Melvin Gordon owner, thankfully. Something in my brain popped and said, "Hey, I don't need Fozzie Whitaker going into next year." Uh, so I dropped Fozzie and picked up Farrell in the same league the week before. So I'm glad, I'm glad I did that now because Farrell is certainly going to be getting a lot of a lot of bids this week. But uh, and what you said too about the money, I, I noticed that last year there's plenty of times where I you know I kicked myself because I missed out on a guy and then I ended the year with like four hundred dollars. So I'm like, well, that's not. That's that does me no good. So be you know, be aggressive, not too aggressive. But if there's a player that you think you know want want to have on your roster going into next year, think you could be a starter, or or you could see him's value really really increase this off season. Yeah, spend that money. Um, un- unfortunate news also coming out of Thursday game is Derek Johnson ruptured his Achilles. You gotta wonder if he's going to be back, just at his heightened age. Not that they dispute that he could come back, but you know the guy's like thirty three. Been an absolute beast for the long time. Big, big, big loss there for Kansas City. Um, DJ Alexander was the next man up during that game. Looks like uh, he'll still be getting a shot, um, but that that could work into your favor in some IDP leagues. I think where he's not necessarily a world beater, a guy that you're going to want on your roster for years to come. He, even so, in that Thursday night game, the the Raiders took charge and ran right after him and I think you're going to see opponents do that they're going to run the ball right at him they're going to put people out running routes in his area of the field they're really going to challenge him and whereas you know he might get burned a couple times he's going to have so much, so many opportunities there to to help to help your team down the stretch and, I, and I, I'd i be willing to give him a start as like a linebacker three or four this week if you need it he's certainly a guy that's readily available in most leagues. Uh, Matt Moore, Matt Moore, a thing, Nick, are you, are you trusting him? Say you had Tannehill in two-quarterback league. I mean, you, you almost have to play him, right?
1: Yeah, in two-quarterback league, there's probably no other starting quarterbacks on waivers. So, yeah, absolutely, he's a guy that you would have to go after and, and play right away. But, um, you know, if you have any other choices of more established guys, I would definitely not start the, uh, the, more, the unproven Matt Moore.
2: And well, I know he's got
1: some, some NFL experience in the past, yeah. but we just haven't seen it this year really. So,
0: And, yeah, that's that's one thing that I do – I mean, I'm not claiming Matt Moore anywhere definitely, but uh, if you need him or you're in a desperate situation, he's not some squeaky clean rookie. He's not Christian Hackenberg. He's at least been on an NFL field, throwing some touchdowns, throwing some interceptions. He's He's been around at least this whole – you know, the whole tenure of Adam Gay. So hopefully, you know, he has a grasp of the offense and he, he can do do some things. We obviously know there's talent around them. Um, who, who do the Dolphins play this week, Nick? Uh, I can't even, I should know this. Uh, right. the New York um, Jets. They play at, yeah, they play at the Jets who gave up nearly 200 yards to Carlos I next year. So uh, moral of the story is start J. H. I, I think this week, uh, but, uh, too bad. I'm out of the playoffs Worrying with him, but, uh, yeah, Matt Moore certainly. I think I would put more trust in him than I would whoever the Jet starter is, or who, or maybe even maybe even over RG three, just because he's going into Buffalo this week. So, um, what about Matt Barkley? Can Matt Moore over Matt Barkley? Matt versus Matt.
1: No, I think I would stick with uh, Matt, Bar- Matt Barkley. He's actually looked pretty good this year, way better than anybody had ever given him credit for in the NFL level. So, And plus, you look, you got Alshon Jeffrey coming back now, so that's another weapon for him to work with. So I, th- I think I would stick with Matt Barkley.
0: Uh, yeah, and another name that uh, Joseph had in the waiver wire this week for here at us at DSW, uh, Daniel Brown, the uh, tight end for the Bears, taking over for uh, – Zach Miller, um, I don't think he had a whole lot of yards, but he did have like eight targets, six catches and eight targets last week. So if you're in a desperate situation or two tight end situation, he's he's a nice add, a guy that Barkley has certainly developed a nice little rapport with there. So take a look at uh, Daniel Brown their Chicago Bears tight end. Uh little dynasty trade analysis before we get into the uh sitter start for every game here, Nick. Um I should preface this, this was, uh before Le'Veon Bell's week. Uh but uh can you imagine getting rid of Le'Veon Bell? And I hope you if you're trading Le'Veon Bell at this point, you're not a playoff team, I I would imagine. Um or he was your only running back. But uh you trade Le'Veon Bell and you get pick one point zero two Dion Lewis and James White. What what are your thoughts there and can you again, can you imagine trading Le'Veon Bell and then watching him do what he did on Sunday?
1: Yeah, that that would be tough to be in that position. But, uh, you know, I'm surprised the the owner gave up Le'Veon Bell for, for 1.02, Deion Lewis and James White. Uh, the only thing that is a little bit of a head-scratcher is if you have pick 1.02, you're probably not a very good team this year. So it's it's strange to me trading for an elite running back as opposed to an elite receiver. But I think the value is definitely there. I mean, Le'Veon Bell's, if not the number one running back in the league, he's no question he's a top three. So, yeah, the value is definitely good. I, I just uh, wonder about the strat a little bit.
0: Yeah, especially even if you're trading that that pick, why not, not why not take Delvin Cook or Leonard Fournette, whoever doesn't get picked first, because at least you have a run a, a nice young running back where we know Le'Veon's injury history. He's been suspended a few times. He gets caught with marijuana again. I think it's a year fine, so I mean there's so much. Where I love Le'Veon Bell and what he does. He's just a, a really great dual threat. There's there's definitely uh, a little bit more of an inherent risk when you when you get him, and I I too would be surprised to see somebody give up uh, Le'Veon Bell for that package, but considering the the top two running backs, I think I think it does make sense. And you know maybe Le'Veon Bell was your only back, and you're getting like I said Cook or Fournette, uh, Dion Lewis and James White, guys a couple guys that you can play in your flex and. You know, good luck picking the right one every week, but uh, uh, just yeah, just an interesting move there. Um, A couple of these are old. Some of them that we didn't get to on our on our trade deadline show, but uh, uh, just thought we'd throw them out there just because they piqued my interest. Uh, What do you think about Alan Robinson for pick one point zero two?
1: I think it's a great trade all around. I mean, Allen Robinson, he's having a down year this year, but he proved last year that he can succeed at the NFL level uh, as long as he has, he has some confident quarterback play. And, you know, so you're you're acquiring a 1.02 pick for him, so you're going to be able to replace him with a decent running back. And I'm assuming there, again, if you have 1.02 and you're trading it for Allen Robinson, you need a receiver, you don't really need a running back or you don't like the top two running backs there. So I think this is a great trade from both sides.
0: Mm-hmm. well i don't own any dynasty shares of alan robinson i have them on my redraft team i pretty much have to use them every week um or play kenny Britt and with the jeff fisher fire i don't think i want to do that but uh i can't wait <laughs> to be rid of alan robinson i just uh this this year's killing me and I'm, i i know i just need to get over it and uh be open to what what the future is, but this, this year has just been so terrible. So, um, And like Nick kind of talked about there, it really depends on your situation. If you have that early pick, you're obviously not one player or one running back away from contending, so grabbing a young wide receiver is not a bad strategy at all. Uh, Alshon Jeffrey, Michael Floyd, and pick 1.10 for Michael Thomas. Theoretic and pick 2.06. What do you think?
1: This one to me was a kind of a head scratcher. I mean, Alshon Jeffery's one more suspension away from being Josh Gordon. Uh, Michael Floyd just got the DUI. Plus, he had been having a really down year before that even happened. That uh, in you know, you're, so you're giving up not 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 a whole lot of value there, in my opinion, for a guy like Michael Thomas who is turning into a real stud there in New Orleans. Plus, you get Theo Riddick, whose you know PPR value at least is is really nice really high floor there in Detroit and you know, you're only moving down a few draft picks to pick up those two good, really good players. I, I, I don't understand that trade at all for the team that gave up Michael Thomas and Theo Riddick.
0: Uh, sidebar positive that this happened prior to the DUI. Uh, but uh, so that, that maybe gives a little bit more clarity to it. But yeah, I, I agree. I'll take the Michael Thomas side. Um, Michael Thomas, Theo Riddick side, definitely. I, I like that, the fact that uh, you're getting that and just moving down a little bit in the draft. So, you know, that being said, it Floyd and Jeffrey are gamble, but they, you know, they both could be getting paid big bucks to be a number one wide right receiver next year, too. So, not, it's, I think, given if I knew more about this league scenario, I think it would maybe make a little bit more sense. Um, that's what is too interesting, and I can't believe people still play in standard leagues, but, uh, 12 Team Standard, hashtag rebuild. I pulled this one off of Twitter. Tyrell Williams for pick 1.12. What do you think there, Nick?
1: Well, I'm assuming the rebuilding team is the team that traded away Tyrell Williams and if that's the case, then I really like this trade for both sides. If you have the 1.12 pick, you're making a playoff run so you're acquiring a guy like Tyrell Williams that can help you this year. But, you know, the future is a little bit cloudy there for Williams in San Diego just because you know, I don't know if Stevie Johnson's going to be back with the team, but you know Keenan Allen's going to be back with the team. You got Hunter Henry who's developing into a pretty good uh, tight end who'll probably see more targets next year, so I'm not sure how how good moving forward Williams will be But he's a nice piece for a playoff run this year So I like, the, I really like this trade on both sides
0: Yeah, I thought that too after I wrote Rebuild I'm like, well, who's rebuilding here?
2: <laughs>
0: uh Because sometimes <laughs> you like to build With young wide receivers too But I, I don't play in any standard leagues And I make fun of them all the time But I just don't I don't really have a Basis to lie back on where I would place Tyrell Williams in a standard league. Just I, I you know, give me a year in a standard league, or maybe I should just look at him in standard scoring leagues. But I just don't. I don't know. I just I just don't see it. I just don't. I feel like that's not a, uh, not not good value there if, if I have that pick I think I would rather have that pick in the rebuild situation than uh than Tyrell Williams and I and I and imagine in standard that pick is not as valuable because I would imagine in standard dynasty league that uh it's going to be pretty running back every almost every year just because it is a standard league so uh so maybe maybe I just talked myself a little sense into myself there but maybe that's a little bit more appropriate there so uh but uh let's get on to our start Dick. and for whatever reason i wrote started writing notes and then i went to my computer afterwards so i have the first game on a piece of paper so you go ahead and i'm going to walk down the stairs and grab my notes for this one game
1: Well, we'll be starting off with the uh, Thursday game. That's uh, L.A. against uh, Seattle. Uh, you look at the numbers, and L.A.'s ap- uh, giving up 23 points per game, which is pretty average across the league. 110 rushing yards, uh, which is also average, and they're 8th against the pass with 230 yards allowed per game. Uh, Seattle, as usual, their defense is phenomenal this year, uh, only giving up 17.85 points per game. That's 3rd in the NFL. Uh, they're pretty average against the run. Uh, better than better than uh, L.A., but not, not great. Uh, but they are ninth against the pass, only giving up 232 yards a game. Uh, I think I would probably roll with uh, Thomas Rawls, Doug Baldwin, Jimmy Graham, uh, but I would try to sit uh, all my Rams. Uh, yeah, now that you're back, Josh, i got I got to ask you, my, my opponent is in a situation where he had Ryan Tannehill and Jared Goff, he has to now uh, play Jared Goff. Uh, would you consider signing Matt Moore just so he can't, or would you see
0: a move like that as being borderline uneth- uneth- unethical? I would sign him so he can't. I would play Moore over golf all day. As bad as that Jets secondary, I know there's some name cachet back there, but they've just been bad. So I think I would definitely do that over. Uh, yeah, over letting him have the option. My computer just shut off. Um, all right. So my Seattle notes. Uh, ooh, I predicted the the uh, line would be fourteen and a half. I don't know what it is now, but uh, uh, I don't know what happened to my computer. Just turned off. Um, sorry. Sorry about that. Uh, I think I would play Tyler Lockett in this game. He's a nice, intriguing piece for me. Um, I also like uh, Doug. I do not like Doug Baldwin. I think think the Rams will do something to control him, especially. Uh, Todd Gurley. What do you think about Todd Gurley in this game? I know you said you don't like any Rams, but he – Actually, salvaged a pretty good game, don't you think, last week there, Nick?
1: He did, and if I had to pick a Ram, that would probably be the one I would uh, the, the one I would go with. But I, I, especially in Seattle, I would try to avoid all of them.
0: Okay, um, Kenny Britt, too. Um, you know, I think this move might. Help uh, Tavon Austin. The coaching move I'm talking about over over Kenny Britt. I know Britt's having a good year, but I feel like I would probably be willing to play Austin potentially over Britt. I know that seems crazy, but I just think there might be a a, li- a lot more like uh, short passes and whatnot in total for this game. So I think I would probably roll with with that over. Uh, over Venice, as crazy as that sounds. Uh, Tavon Austin, uh, Deshaun Shedd I think is a is a player that we really have to to look at with Earl Thomas out. Um, he's technically listed as a cornerback in a lot of leagues, so but he does kind of play that nickel kind of safety role. I think you'll see him maybe be more of the Earl Thomas player that type of role in that defense so I, I think he was certainly somebody uh, that I would take a look at there. Sorry for the uh, the stammering. I seem to have rolled over my power strip and unplugged everything in my room besides, besides my iPad. So I'm glad I have notes on that. Um, moving on. I'm, I am promise we'll be stronger here. Uh, the Jets at – excuse me, the Miami at the Jets. What do you got for me, Nick?
1: Well, uh, to start off, Miami's defense is third worst against the run. So, you know, if Matt Forte is out, I love uh, Bilal Powell in this game, uh, especially coming off his big performance last week. Uh, Miami likely is going to lean on Jay Ajayi to help the new quarterback, Matt Moore. So I like him as a start, too. Uh, you know, I'm also, just as a disclaimer, after the weather that we've seen last week, I'm kind of assuming that all these uh, games that are played in the north outdoors are going to be bad weather games. So I've just kind of mentally downgraded pretty much all, almost everybody's passing game for this week. But, you know, I haven't actually looked at the weather forecast. It just, yeah, the, the way last week went scares me a little bit from these outdoor games, especially in places like New York and Buffalo and Chicago.
0: Okay, yeah, I know we're supposed to get snow here in South Dakota Friday and potentially into Saturday. So that might might hurt, like, the Chicago-Cincinnati game, potentially kansas city as well too i don't know i don't know what way the system is moving i'm not a meteorologist but uh that, that very good point especially this time of year um i like deon know only only had two catches for nine yards last week but he is their te1 and i think uh with the with the quarterback situation as it is i think we could see a lot more lot more checkdowns to the uh to the tight end and he did score a touchdown last week too so uh keep that keep that in mind. Uh it, in the red zone. Um I think the Jets match well against the tight end, but I still think he could uh he could he could do some stuff there. Uh I also like uh Robbie Anderson. I think he's kind of a dark horse but he's fully becoming uh Bryce Petty's... uh Top target. I, I don't think a lot of people are going to be trusting in him at this point. But uh, he, he's a, a guy that, if, that if you're desperate or you're in a, in a tough injury situation, he's a guy that you could certainly look at. Um, oh, we talked a little, way too much about Matt Moore. This has become the Matt Moore show. Uh, but he's certainly uh, a guy that we said earlier you could trust. I, I don't trust Bryce Petty at all in this game. Um, one guy that I kind of take note of is because of the Rashad Jones injury is uh, kind of one of my favorite names to say in the, in the NFL is Isa abdul uh the safety there for uh, the Dolphins. I think he was in Detroit last year. He kind of does both safeties and he's been having a pretty solid season with Jones out. Last week, I think he only had like one tackle and one assist, so uh, that's confusing to me. i assuming he could he could bounce back Especially with the with the game plan they employ with Bryce Petty and the and the short passes or just kind of the deep balls, I think he could be a nice nice start there on the defensive side of the ball. Um, I God, it seems way too early, but I think I might just be giving up altogether on Calvin Pryor. I mean, I have dropped him. I don't own any more shares of him. I have dropped him where I own him. So I continue not to uh, like him. So no, don't start Calvin Pryor this week, uh, even though it may seem enticing. Uh, moving on there, Cleveland at Buffalo. What do you think?
1: Um, well, uh, it was a rough week last week for LaShawn McCoy and uh, Gillislee, but I think both of those guys should bounce back this week. Uh, Cleveland is 31 against the rush, giving up uh, 146 yards per game. Um there's really no other must starts to me in this game though. You know, Tyrod Taylor is too close to being sat to play and who knows what's gonna become of that passing game if Cardell Jones uh, starts, he's who's supposedly pretty raw still uh coming out of Ohio State. And you know, Cleveland with that offense now with RG three, it just doesn't seem to be moving very well. So I I have a hard time trusting any of those guys in the playoffs. Yeah, good
0: good points there. Uh shady did have a decent day catching i think he had like six for 81 had a had one big guy in there so i he has that nice solid ppr floor but uh you're right there i do think uh robert woods is kind of a ballsy play because i think there'll be some heavy attention paid to uh sammy watkins and woods when healthy especially with a healthy watkins can can do some damage so i think he could have a nice ppr day um Rookie out of Minnesota, Brian and Bodie Calhoun. I think he's kind of a sneaky DB play. Past uh, he's played uh, last five games. He has, or excuse me, last two games he has uh, uh, five passes defensed, uh, and he's uh, he's a rookie that gets picked on because of his five nine frame. He's kind of that that nickel type of role there for uh, for the Browns, and he you know he's not going to see a hundred percent of the snaps because of you know the rushing prowess of this Buffalo's team but he he could be a sneaky play there I like that Brian Bodie Calhoun there for the Cleveland Browns and uh Emmanuel Ogba had himself a pretty nice day with six tackles and I think an assist or excuse me a sack and a half last week so uh he's a guy that's going to hover around the line I think he's he's never going to be a uh a stud outside linebacker because he's not a huge tackle guy but uh he's, he could have some weeks here and there so if you're In a tough situation, I I, I expect another solid week out of Emmanuel Ogba. What do you think about Green Bay at Chicago there,
1: Well, I'm not scared off by Chicago's sixth-ranked pass defense. I'm still starting Aaron Rodgers, Jordy Nelson, Devontae Adams, and likely Randall Cobb, too. Uh, Jordan Howard is obviously going to be your starter, too, there for uh, Chicago in the backfield. But the return of Alshon Jeffrey makes me a little bit nervous about Matt Barkley's target distribution. So I think if, I, if I'm able to, I'm going to sit the Chicago wide receivers this week just until we see how things pan out there with, with uh, Jeffrey still in the lineup.
2: Okay,
0: good. Yeah, that's a good point. Good. Interesting move or interesting thing going into that game there. And I think I've already said interesting four times. Make it five this podcast. Uh, Ty Montgomery going to put a lot of pressure, I think, on that depleted second level of the Bears defense. He's a guy you got to throw out there. Um, the Darius Gunter defensive side of the ball for the Packers, um, Kind of been a quiet contributor for the pack. Didn't have a huge game last week, but he he's a guy that gets his nose dirty and has really really been playing solid there. Um, uh, Nick Kowalski, I'm not sure how to say that name, but the middle line, the rookie middle linebacker out of West Virginia, there that's playing with the uh, with the Bears defense beat up. I think he's looking to keep looking to keeping the shine on there for the Bears. He's a nice uh, solid play there. Um, Matt, I think Matt Barkley could have himself a decent day too. Like Nick said, with Alshon back, I think you could see some good things out of him. Uh, what do you think about Pittsburgh at Cincinnati, there, Nick?
1: Well. um, Pittsburgh's got the fourth-ranked rush defense, only giving up 90 yards a game, but I'm still uh, starting Jeremy Hill. I just think now that Giovanni Bernard's out, he's getting enough work that he's still start-worthy, even against a not-so-friendly matchup. Uh, I also like uh, Brandon LaFell and Tyler Boyd, too, uh, uh, permitting that the weather's decent and that A.J. Green is still out. Uh, other than Le'Veon Bell, Darius Green, and of course Antonio Brown, no other Steeler got more than three targets last week. So I don't trust the secondary guys in in Pittsburgh. But those three guys, of course, I would trust.
0: Okay. Uh, yeah, you got to rule Jeremy Hill out there. I know, like like Nick said, Pittsburgh had a good good thing going, but. Uh... He's a guy – A.J. Green is practicing this week, so that's going in there. That that could affect Tyler Boyd's value for this week. But he's really becoming a thing. He hasn't blown people out of the water with A.J. out, but he's had a nice PPR floor since he's been hurt. So I, I like that. Um, do the Steelers have an answer for Tyler Eifert, Nick? What do you think? Do you think he could? we could see a, a classic, you know, three catches, two touchdown game from uh, Eifert?
2: Yeah. I don't know if
1: anybody's got an answer for Eifert right now. He's, he's one of the top tight ends in the NFL when he's healthy and he appears to be fully healthy right now. So definitely, if you have him, he's a guy you're rolling out.
0: Okay. Um, I know uh, Geno Atkins seems like a solid play, but I think Pittsburgh will do their best to avoid his area of the line. So, They'll keep Lev Bell on the edge or not running right at him. But I just don't know if anybody's got the balls to bench Atkins. Uh, So just throwing that out there, I think Bud Dupree and Sean Davis on the defensive side of the ball are really, really solid plays. Uh, Sean Davis had himself a sack and a half and I think five more tackles last week. Uh, Bud Dupree. Coming back up injuries, missed most of the year. Got himself a couple of sacks too. He's kind of their uh, their changes pace uh, speed rusher there for the Steelers. I like I like what those two are doing right now there for Pittsburgh. So I I, I got no problem putting them out there. Uh, what do you think about Tennessee at Kansas City? Well,
1: this is definitely another one to check the weather and downgrade the passing attacks if it's a wintering there in Kansas City. Uh, Tyreek Hill is the only Chief that I'm really excited about, and of course, Travis Kelsey. That goes without saying. Uh, could be a better-than-normal game, though, for Alex Smith against a pretty weak pass defense and a team that offensively normally can put up pretty, uh, a decent amount of points in Tennessee. Uh, you know, weather permitting, I also do like uh, Mariota and Rashard Matthews. Uh, Mariota should have more than the six completions that he had last week, but uh, in Tennessee Kansas rush defense is pretty decent, actually. Only giving up eighty-six uh, yards per game—that's third in the league. So, might want to, you know, if you have Spencer Ware and you're really deep at running back, you might want to look at
0: see if you have other options. Uh, since we've done both of these games, Nick, uh, Cleveland obviously they're zero and forty or whatever they are. Do they does that offense at all remind you of Kansas City? Think about it. Let's put Kessler as their starting quarterback. Kind of a game manager, not a guy that's going to blow you out of the water. But with, you know, I think with a solid year under his belt of starting games, I think he could be a very serviceable quarterback. You got you got your freaky athlete in Terrell Pryor slash Jeremy Macklin. You got, uh, you got your speedy, athletic guy in Corey Coleman, which the Chiefs throw at you with the combination of Tyreek Hill and Chris Conley they don't have that dominant tight end, but they do have a solid running game with, with Duke and Crowell. Don't you think they could potentially for, for Cleveland Browns fans, is there hope that they could grow into to something like that, where it's not a sexy offense. It's certainly an efficient offense. Don't you think?
1: Yeah. You know, I, I definitely see the correlation that you're going for there. And yeah, ho- hopefully for Browns fans, uh, you're right. And they can, Cody Kessler can develop into the, being the next Alex Smith and, you know, just kind of dink and dunk his way down the field and get the Browns some wins next year.
0: hmm Yeah, most definitely. They they could use that. Uh, well, we're really tugging at my heartstrings now as I have to make the uh, ultimate decisions between Mariota and Phillip Rivers this week. That's going to hurt as Rivers goes or Mariota goes into Kansas City. That's uh, after that six for twenty last week. You can't be very encouraged by that. On the flip, I do think Rivers is playing a Raiders defense that has certainly improved to where they were last time they played each other. Uh, but I think this could come down during, during uh, Marcus versus Marcus. Uh, we've seen Mariota have some bad turnover games this year, uh, and we know Peters can intercept the ball. So that's a that's a good battle that I'm looking at there as I refrain from using the word interesting there. Uh, Marcus versus Marcus, I like that. Um can uh Taylor Wa Luan and uh Jack Conklin fend off the uh, trio of Houston Chamba and uh D. That's that's a really good matchup to watch in this game. I think I think oh obviously Houston's the the must start out of all those guys, but this Tennessee line, they they like to get down and dirty and I think they they protect Mariota very well and he obviously moves well in the pocket. It might not seem Like set in stone, but you gotta, I think you gotta play DeMarco and Derrick Henry in this game. Kansas City, for as good as they've been, they're still one of the uh, one of the bottom 10 teams, I think, in rushing and rushing yards given up. So they, they're, I think they're both solid starts. Henry's obviously a slight downgrade, but still a good gamble to play in this game. Is we saw, we when we talked about it last week too, what if Tennessee was to beat Denver, they were gonna have to rush the ball. Set that precedent early and and just control the clock and it, it that's their that's what they have to do and exactly what they have to do in this game to beat the kansas city is run that ball control the clock and they like to use both of those guys so i think they're both tackle chris jones for kansas city uh i think he could be targeted in the run he's uh certainly done some really good things he hasn't had that big splash wild game but uh defensive tackle required leagues you could certainly do a lot worse um Dark horse in this game for me has got to be Chris Conley. We, he had a couple of really not long receptions, and we know what an athletic freak he was at the combine. I think he's now fully healthy, and we're seeing some of the things he can do. And with so much attention being paid to uh, Tyree Kill, look for Conley to maybe get a deep shot down the field. Hopefully Alex Smith can get it to him in that cold Kansas City weather. Um Tennessee side of the ball, Jarrell Casey's still just a fringe defense starter for me. Uh, just hasn't had a, he's had an okay year, but just hasn't had a big wow year. And he's a guy that I'm be looking to sell in the off season, just because he's he's in that you know top thirty defensive end. So I still think he can get something for him, but I just don't see him as a uh, as a great IDP asset. He's, he's a solid player, but he's not a, a wow guy that's going to get you those twelve points every week. So. He's not. He's not a guy that I'm depending on. Obviously, Williamson is the is the true start, and Kevin Byard's kind of the the IDP dark horse in that game. There, the safety for Tennessee, who they've been using in some blitz packages, and he's been doing some pretty good things there for them. Growing up fast as the rookie there out of Middle Tennessee State, I think is what it was. Uh, Middle Eastern Tennessee State. I don't know some some directional Tennessee school. Uh, what do you got for us, Nick? On The Colts at Minnesota. Well, I'm personally
1: avoiding this game other than uh, T.Y. Hilton and Frank Gore. Uh, You look at the Vikings' pass defense, third in the league, only 202 yards given up per game, uh, number one in points allowed, only 17.3 points per game. So that makes me worry a little bit about most of the Indianapolis players. Uh, You know, I want to like the Minnesota offense in what appears to be a pretty good matchup. Indianapolis, eighth worst in points allowed, ninth worst against the run, seventh worst against the pass. But I mean, come on! Last week the Vikings were held to 12 points in three quarters and needed a fourth-quarter comeback to beat the Jacksonville Jaguars. That that just scares me away from all pieces on this
0: Minnesota offense. Good points there, definitely. Um, out of the feeling, I of a feeling I I rolled the dice and Travis Benjamin a couple places last week and he rewarded me with a one rush for minus two yards and a fumble. Uh, but um, I uh, I think Adam Thielen he's he's had a really since his breakout game he hasn't really disappointed he hasn't been sexy but he still has a nice PPR floor so I think he's a guy that I'm I'm willing to give a shot to in this game as you know my wide receiver four or five depending on your league settings there I think Kyle Rudolph is a great uh, as a solid start uh, just because there's some injuries in this. Uh, Injuries in a, what is already a bad Colts uh, just defense as a whole. Uh, Asiata versus McKinnon this one, Nick. What do you think? Can you pick one?
1: I think I would go with McKinnon just because Asiata's value tends to lie in his goal line work, whereas in this Minnesota offense just isn't getting much, uh, much many opportunities around the goal line. So just for that reason alone, I think I would lean McKinnon.
0: Yeah, that's a very good point there. Yeah. McKinnon, for as much opportunity as he has has had this year. He really hasn't rang the bell like a, like owners like myself have really uh really set really hoped he would obviously. Uh Antonio Morrison uh and uh, Arthur Jones I think are solid plays. Jones defensive tackle there, Morrison uh filling in for the uh suspended Dequell Jackson. Um I think he'll uh They'll both get plenty of play. Uh, Anthony Harris ex- kind of exploded onto the scene last week with Harrison Smith out. Um, I look for him to see some more snaps this week, even if if Harrison is back. Uh, he's going to be pushing. Uh, my Vikings insiders tell me he's going to be pushing Sendejo for snaps all of all of next offseason. So he came in and had seven seven tackles. Did his best Harrison fifth impression last week. So he's he's a little bit of a desperate DB. DB play, but uh, if you're looking to looking to ride the hot hand, he's certainly a, a guy that I'm willing to take a chance on, especially if Harrison Smith is out. I'm sure he's available almost everywhere because he hasn't really even much had his helmet on this year. But he's a he's a guy that that can play when when, when given given the opportunity. Anthony Harris, DB Minnesota, uh, technically listed as a corner, right? I think he's supposed as a safety, probably on my fantasy league. Sorry. Uh, we think about Detroit at the Giants.
1: Well, last week, you look at the New York Giants' backfield, and both Rashad Jennings and Paul Perkins each had 15 carries. So, you know, that I, I try to avoid those 50-50 splits if I'm deep enough at running back. And the Detroit backfield also is also pretty murky. Uh, I, th- I believe Washington led the team in carries last week. Uh, of course, Odell Beckham's a must-start, but I actually like all the main wide receivers for, for both teams in this game. Um, I'm gonna put you on the spot here actually, Josh. Uh y Anquan Bolden, Chris Hogan, uh against Denver, Brandon LaFeller against Pittsburgh, or uh Mohammed Sanu against San Francisco. I you know, among that group, I'm leaning Bolden this week. Do you agree on that?
0: Uh, huh. Yeah. Yeah, he doesn't get D V one treatment, so yeah, yeah, I'd probably lean Bolden there too. Um yeah, definitely not uh definitely not new. I, I like Bolden. Man, I love watching that guy too. He's so fun. I would love just ate it up on Thanksgiving watching him watching him dominate early in that game. He's such a fun player to watch. But yeah, I'd definitely go Bolden there. Uh still gets no respect. I know he's old, but he just does not get enough respect. I love that guy. Um any any other thoughts there on that game, Nick?
1: Um, just that it'll probably be a fairly low scoring affair with both teams uh, ranked in the top 10 as far as points per game allowed. So uh, I wouldn't get my hopes up for anybody to have a huge game in this one, but there are some decent players like, uh, Bolden, Odell Beckham, and, uh, and probably theoretic, assuming he, if he's healthy again, I'm not sure how, how healthy he is. He didn't get a whole lot of work last week.
0: Yeah, I, he was actually out last week. So if he's healthy, I think he, he's a guy that you have to play. Stafford obviously a big risk. I think he's going to be wearing a glove and the me- the metal lands cold with that finger issue, so definitely a risk there. I like Shepard to exploit the the extra attention to shadow OBJ. I think Shepard could take advantage of that. Uh, thoughts on Paul Perkins versus Jennings, Nick? They had identical line, almost identical lines last week. I think they each had like 15 carries for 45 yards, and one had one reception, the other one had two or something like that, Jennings, maybe yeah, had two. Any, any thoughts on those guys' risking each other or look elsewhere?
1: Um, I would try to avoid both of them. I think I would probably lean towards Rashad Jennings uh, simply because of the fact he's a veteran and the team might trust him more being in a playoff run against against another potential playoff team. So it's a, it's a big game. I think they might lean on the veteran a little bit more. But, again, you know, the 50-50 timeshares I try to avoid.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Good points, especially with the veteran talk. Um, Janoris Jenkins, he's still not getting that shutdown corner respect. And I don't think he's a top three corner in this league, but he's played really, really well he's matched up against Dez Bryant, Awesome. Uh, Devon Kennard kind of had a big night. I think that was a little bit of mirage. I would say, start at your own risk. Uh, Kilabrew kind of had a quiet game last week too, but he is coming along nicely. We're looking—he had an interception a couple weeks ago too. We're looking for that big wow game from him. You know, maybe maybe this is it. Maybe maybe we see him break out. C- certainly a desperate play, but I uh, like I like like the way the the Lions have brought Miles Kilbrew along. Uh, Philly at Baltimore. We got.
1: Well, uh, Jordan Matthews and Zach Ertz are probably the only Eagles I would trust. That Baltimore defense is stout, uh, fourth in game and points allowed, uh, number one against the run, only giving up 75 yards rushing per game. So even with Smallwood and likely Darren Sproles missing the game, I would have a hard time trusting Ryan Matthews. Um, last week uh, on the Baltimore side, uh, Dixon had 19 touches, whereas uh, Terrence West only had six touches. So I would say that's definitely Dixon's job now. Uh, but as far as the Baltimore passing game, I think Joe Flacco's a decent play, but he's spreading it around too much to really like any of the Baltimore receivers uh you look at last week and eight of the eight, eight players for Baltimore had three or more catches uh you had another three players with one catch and none of those guys reached 60 yards so it's it's tough to really uh, put your faith in any one of those Baltimore receivers
0: yeah that's true you never know who's going to pop up every week there um yeah, I could not believe Terrence West wasn't getting carries. I think he had one rush in that game on Monday night. And maybe it was game flow, you know, game flow of dependent or whatever. But I find it ironic that they fired his name, Tressman, for throwing the ball too much. And that's all Morning Week has done the last few weeks. They just throw the ball. When <laughs> they wanted to run the ball more because that was successful. Now they're not doing that. I mean, shouldn't he get fired now too? But uh, I'd like uh, – I certainly would say sit Wentz for Flacco in this game. I know Wentz had a big game, but uh, Baltimore is a, a little bit different of a, a defense. Steve Smith, I think, could be a stud versus the inexperienced Eagles DBs. Not all of them are inexperienced, but if he gets matched in the right situation, you know Flacco's going to look to him. So I, if I had to pick any of the receivers, I would go with the uh, with the 45-year-old Steve Smith. Uh, Trey Burton, a little bit of a desperate play, but... The Philadelphia tight end, 19 receptions last week in that in that game against Washington. 11 of them were to Earth, 7, 7, or excuse me, I think 10 to Earth, 7 to Burton, and 2 to Selick. So uh, they, they've been hitting the tight end quite a bit recently. Uh, Eric Weddle surging didn't have a really good beginning to the year, but I think he's a nice, nice play. I think he even had a sack on Monday night, too, so he's a nice play. Uh, I would sit. Probably Nigel Bradham, He's uh, his star is a little bit dwindling, and he's losing some snaps kind of as the season has progressed. Uh, Rodney McLeod is, is certainly a DB that I want to continue to start there for Philly. I know he's had a few down weeks, but just when just when you think he's dead, he's going to pop up and have that big week and possibly help you win a matchup. So I really like Rodney McLeod this week for Philadelphia. Uh, Jacksonville at Houston, Nick, what do you got?
1: Well, you have two top five pass defenses in this game, and two struggling quarterbacks. So, if possible, I'm going to sit all wide receivers, even you know, even Hopkins and uh, Allen Robinson, if I can. Uh, they've all been disappointing this year, with the exception of Marquise Lee. But really, are you trusting Marquise Lee in a playoff game? Uh, I'm, I'm not there yet. Although he has had a fine season, um, you know, it's just a tough matchup. So I hesitate to use any of those guys. Uh, Lamar Miller is probably a pretty strong play, and it seems like either Yeldon or I. Every, is out every single week. So if that trend continues and only one of them plays, I think whoever plays holds some pretty decent value. But I'm trying to avoid the passing games at all costs in this one.
0: Uh, Yeah. Uh, it's just, you know, going into this game, A-Rob, I think he's still a sit for me, even though he was nine for 107 and a touch last time they played each other. You know the Houston DBs are going to remember that, and they are going to do everything they can to keep him under control. I think I would play Marquise Lee. Why not? He's he's proven so far this year that he can he can do it. If if you need him, maybe not over a route, but if you need him at the end of your lineup, why not? I think Yeldon's had a nice PPR floor. It hasn't been that way all year, uh, but he was very effective in a close game last week. I think I think I expect this game to be close. Will Fuller, eh, kind of a kind of a 50-50 coin flip on that one for me. Uh, Malik Jackson could find some of the same stats that Arthur Jones did last week against the same interior for Houston. So I I like the veteran there to to have a good game there for the defensive side of the ball for the Jags. Uh, What do you think about San Fran at Atlanta?
1: Uh, well, Carlos Hyde and maybe Jeremy Curley are the only 49ers I would uh, consider. Um, you know, I know Atlanta's defense isn't the greatest. Uh, fifth worst against pa- uh, points per game, uh, dead last against passing. But, you know, it's still the 49ers passing attack with Colin Kaepernick slash Blaine Gabbert. You, know, you, you never know what you're going to get there. So too risky for me. Um, I would play all the major Falcons, though. I mean, <laughs> the San Francisco defense, uh, dead last in points per game allowed, giving up over 30 points per game. Uh, against the run, they're the worst team in the league by 24 yards per game, so yeah, I would feel comfortable wow. with both Freeman and Tevin Coleman in this one.
0: Yeah, Freeman really had a down game, probably hurt a lot of people's playoff matchups last week, but I expect him to uh, bounce back. I like Valor and Kaepernick for San Fran. I, the speed of that Atlanta defense does somewhat worry me for Kaepernick, but we'll see. I think he's he's got enough savvy in him to maybe make some plays. Like like uh, Coleman as a flex play. I don't believe the hype on Gerald Hodges. I don't know how he had it such a great game last week. I don't know who's hurt or whatever, but he just hasn't proved that and proven he could ever do that week to week. Uh, but they's an OK start there in the secondary for uh, San Fran. Uh, Taylor Gabriel, he's probably <laughs> too sexy to sit, but with Julio back, he certainly gets knocked down the uh, the depth chart there a little bit. He'll have that maybe have that chance for that big one wild play, but you know, we can't depend on that. Uh, I was playing against Taylor Gabriel last week and when I needed points, uh Matt Ryan threw him like a sixty yard touchdown pass, so it just really really just depleted that uh against me so uh, uh I do think uh Devondre Campbell would be a decent play. He hasn't had it didn't have a great week last week, but I think what this San Francisco offense likes to do—that's going to play well to the uh, the second level there of the uh, Atlanta defense. So I think they could have a good good week, especially Devonder Campbell. Uh, what do you think about the Saints at Arizona, Nick? Well, oh, here we go.
1: Here's a good fantasy matchup for both sides. Um, you know, I would look to see, is Patrick Peterson going to be covering Michael Thomas? Uh, that would be my guess. If so, he would be maybe the only guy I would want to sit, but I'm starting everybody else. This game has shootout written all over it. I know New Orleans is better at home than they are on the road, but still, it's a warm weather in Arizona, so that, sh- that shouldn't be as big of a problem is if they were playing in Green Bay or someplace like that. Uh, Michael Floyd also probably is going to be iffy after his DUI arrest, but I think J.J. Nelson could be a pretty sneaky play versus a very poor pass defense in New Orleans, the fourth worst in the league, and Saints are giving up – 27 points per game, that's uh, 30th in the NFL. So, And we all know Arizona's defense is, or struggles as a whole. Although uh, Arizona's pass defense is second in the NFL with only 201 yards given up, so that might, you know, against average passing attacks, I would worry about that, but I think the Saints will be just fine.
0: Uh, yeah, this is kind of a fantasy <laughs> what dreams may come from. This This is a good matchup for both teams. I know we respect the Arizona defense, but on the road, they've been, I guess the game is in Arizona, but they just haven't been what we thought they were. I think it's a dream matchup for Carson Palmer. Uh, he could really exploit. I do like J.J. over Floyd, too. Uh, Nelson had a concussion that slowed him last couple of weeks, but I think he could, especially if Floyd's out, I really like J.J. Nelson. I'm not sure where John Brown's at right now, but, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't get the fact, I think Floyd will be able to play if the team allows him, but if you're going to DUI one week, there's no reason that you should be playing on Sunday. I mean, I, I, and I don't make the rules, but I just, I, I can't understand why that person should be allowed to do their job. Uh, uh, at least not get paid. I mean, come on. Uh, off my high horse and back to, uh, Marcus golden. I said, play golden over Chandler Jones last week. And he had two more tackles. Uh, I think Golden's going to be the one that's always going to be running at the backside there of uh, of Drew Vries, So make sure uh, make sure to play Golden if you can get him in the lineup. Uh, Spencer Payciner, linebacker there for uh, the Dolphins, has thrown together a nice month. So I think he could continue that. To, he might be the one to to shadow David Johnson, and hey, he might get burned, but he's going to get definitely tackle opportunities there for uh for the dolphins there so throwing an obscure name at you there nick uh what do you think about new england at denver
1: Well, the numbers suggest this is a pretty good matchup for LeGarrette Blunt as Denver is uh, they're they have a great defense, but they're actually fifth worst against the run, giving up 127 yards per game. Uh, Belichick is sneaky, so you know playing Blunt is not without any risk at all. But uh, the the numbers suggest it's a pretty good matchup there. Uh, really, though, everybody else here is pretty risky. You got two really good defenses: Denver sixth in points per game allowed, New England is second. Uh, New England's also sixth against the rush, so I would probably not be a big fan of playing Booker or or uh, Forsett this week. Um, I'm, I'm guessing it's going to be cold conditions in Denver going out on a limb being cold in Denver in December. Uh, if you have uh, Emmanuel <laughs> Sanders or Thomas for Denver, you're probably starting them unless you're really deep at receiver, but
0: I really don't love anybody in this game. Okay, good point. Yeah, this game, obviously, with since it's not Brady versus Peyton, doesn't really have the same luster it has in the past, but it is, you know, Brady versus the Von Miller. If you wanna if you want to bring that playoff match up again back up again. And the game is in Denver, so there's certainly some intriguing elements to it. I gotta believe Denver, excuse me, New England is gonna do everything they can to keep Von Miller away. You gotta think they would. I mean, as much as we give credit for Bill Belichick for taking away team's offensive strengths, they have to take Vaughn Miller away if they're gonna win this game. So I, I don't like him as a start. Maybe that means Legarrett Blunt is excuse me, Legarrett Blunt is Garrett I mean we've seen them depend on him so much running football this year, but maybe he's the, the last game. Maybe that means James White and Dion Lewis can have some nice PPR games. Um, I I don't I like Chris Hogan and Malcolm Mitchell, I think they're kind of flex darts at this point. I don't know how they match up well. Chris Harris, Is Chris Harris okay, Nick? Is he going to play? Do you know? After taking that helmet uh, to the knee? I haven't heard that I mean, he's not going that's... to play, but I, I do not know okay. for sure. That's good. Um, I think you could actually do worse, starting Trevor Simeon. Trevor Simeon, I think, uh, I think I'd think still maybe play a Barkley over Simeon, but uh, I uh, – I think Simeon could have an all-right game because he's not the main weapon there that New England would be concerned with. Um, Patrick Chung Chung, and Logan Ryan continue to be safe, DB2s. Um, oh, just a side note. I think maybe since it's a former team, maybe Akib Taleb gets ejected in this game. I'm just going to put that out there. I think he might get ejected in this game. So don't start Taleb because you never know when that's going to happen. Uh, uh, what do you got for us on Oakland at san
1: diego well even though melvin gordon is likely out I-, I can't trust kenneth farrow or ronnie hillman quite yet i i gotta see how that backfield is going to shake out i do like both passing games though i, I think it should be a pretty high scoring affair with a two bottom two bottom 10 defenses and points allowed uh san diego's fourth worst oakland is 10th worst um and it's probably going to be good weather there in San Diego. You know, you might see some rain. I have no idea, but you're not going to have the cold and the snow there in San Diego, thank goodness. And uh, uh, as far as uh, Oakland's rush defense, though, is seventh worst. So, you know, if you're desperate for running back, you could probably do worse than Farrow. But still, even though with the juicy matchup, I I have to try to look elsewhere.
0: Okay, yeah, good good points there. Um, I think I've. Finally resorted to starting Phillip Rivers over Mariota, but just because I'm questioning myself makes me think I'll make a mistake or or switch it out at the last moment and then make a mistake. But I, I just I'm not totally sold on it. Uh, I think Carr should bounce back in the cozy, warm San Diego. I expect a a modest to solid game. I don't think he's going to you know have to be the top five quarterback of the week or something like that. But I think. I think he'll definitely have a good game. I expect a lot of Latavius Murray. I mean, loads of Latavius Murray. I think, with like I mentioned last week, with Brandon Me being out, that uh, that defensive run defense is not the same. I think that co- you know, coincidentally, will help Denzel Perryman and Corey Toomer in the middle help them make make plays. Jihad Ward probably had the best game of his his rookie year last week, and I think he could continue that. Um, no to Corey Leggett if Bosa, with with Bosa dinged. I don't know if Bosa's out, but he's he's dinged and not at 100%. So I'm not, not sold on Corey Leggett at, at this point. Uh, I really like Jelani Adai. He's been playing really well since he's finally got on the field this this year after injuries. I think he's a great player. Uh, what do you think about Tampa at Dallas, Nick? Well, first
1: off, I'm very glad this game got flexed into this Sunday night game. It should be a great matchup. Um, You know, maybe it was a rookie wall or maybe the Giants wrote the book on how to stop Dak Prescott, but he did not look good last week. So I would be a little hesitant to start him or his weapons, but, you know, likely still would uh – he, he, I'm probably just still starting guys like Dez Bryant and Cole Beasley, Jason Witten, unless I have demonstrably better options. Because, you know, it's possible it was just the Giants have his number for whatever reason. Um, I am avoiding the Tampa Bay running backs, but uh, I, uh, Dallas does have the number two rush defense in the NFL. Um, but I, I do think that Mike Evans and Cameron Braid are good plays. Uh, the Dallas pass defense is on the opposite end of the spectrum, of uh, fifth worst in the NFL. So I, I like the Tampa Bay passing attack, not their running attack. And, you know, the Cowboys, obviously you're not benching Ezekiel Elliott ever, no matter the matchup. I don't care if he's playing the number one uh, Baltimore rush defense or not. But so, but the, the passing weapons, I would, if, I, if I'm really deep at wide receiver, I would look to elsewhere other than Cole Beasley and Bryant.
0: So you're starting Zeke at, against the eighty five Bears. All right, we got you. And I just realized <laughs> I think I've been spelling I think I've been spelling Latavius Murray wrong for like three years. I, I need to spell check myself more often. Uh back to Tampa at Dallas. I think I think Des is a sexy play and you never want to sit the guy, but what if what if T Well has T Will has another touchdown? That's gonna they they could potentially have the same type of game. Um I don't like Cameron Brayton this game I think Mike Evans could have a big game and Winston sh- you know a lot of people are looking for Winston to break out and have a huge game versus Tampa last week that didn't happen maybe that's this week uh maybe we were wake work- early on that so I think Bradley McDougall is a solid play there for the with that Dallas defense I think that's a little bit jaded them being the never two rush defense so that's just because they've been winning games and teams haven't been running at football so I I think I'm still not certain the Tampa Bay running backs. You know, maybe Doug Martin if he was one of my top three guys I'm playing him, But that's just wanted to put that out there. Uh, last game, Carolina at Washington. Nick, what do you think?
1: Well, it should be a high-scoring affair. Uh, Carolina's seventh worst in points allowed. Uh, Washington eleventh worst in points allowed. Uh, Carolina also. Both teams have bottom ten pass defenses. So I'm feeling a close, high-scoring game, and those tend to be the type of games where Jay Gruden abandons the run, as he is so prone to do. So I actually prefer Chris Thompson over Rob Kelly just for that reason. Uh, the Washington top three wide receivers usually have fairly comparable numbers. You know, 60 to 100 yards each. Uh, so I expect the same out of uh, just. Sean Jackson, Pierre Garcon, and, uh, and Crowder. Uh, but the Carolina wide receivers are far more inconsistent. Yeah, I believe between Funches, Ted Ginn, and Kelvin Benjamin, one or two of those guys are going to have a really good game, but they do have low floors. I don't know which of those one or two guys is going to have a big week this week. Uh, of course, both tight ends are solid. You mentioned uh, how many passes the Eagles tight ends caught against Washington last week. So that that bodes pretty well for Greg Olson. And, uh, you know, assuming Jordan Reed gets some practice in this, Week and is going to be healthy enough to suit up with that shoulder injury. I like him as well.
0: Okay. Ah, uh, yeah, good points there. Uh, I can't trust Funches. Every now and then he has that touchdown game, but he just hasn't seen enough targets for me to use him. Uh, Jay Stu, not an exciting play, but obviously he's worthy to use. Uh, Kelly's got that RB two touchdown kind of upside. Uh, let Crowder over Djax this week. I think he. I think this is. Just because of the different types of defense I think he could play. Um I don't know, Nick. I think I would play Kirk Cousins over Cam Newton's game. I, I I just I think there's enough good things about this Washington uh pass rush where I think I think that could contain Newton and I like I like Cousins to just air it out. Uh definitely Shaq Thompson time. He's hasn't blown onto the scene like everybody thought he would when Keegley got hurt, but he's doing good. <laughs> And I think uh, I think Kerrigan has himself a couple sacks in this game. I think he's going to be charging at Cam all day. That's all he's, they're going to ask him to do is go get Cam. So I, I like Kerrigan. Well, we did it a little longer than I expected. I cut some other things out so we could not take so long. But hey, we got uh, so philosophical, I guess, and left our left our good buddy Chuck online. So let's uh, let's patch him through. Chuck, are you there? Hey guys, how's it going? Good. We're really late today, eight minutes. Christmas
3: is approaching way too fast. Yeah, that's okay. Um <laughs> I mean you know, as long as it's okay.
2: <laughs>
3: Excuse me, as it was long good. as it's okay with you guys. Hey, um Oh yeah, we can I ask you a fantasy question before we get going today? Yes, sir. Did well Levion you know bell to... when you your matchup. Oh my good. Uh my my goodness. Um well thanks to Le'Veon and uh and Tom Brady. Um, yeah, I moved into the second round. I'm in the semifinals now. But uh, this week, I've got—I mean, you got, I got Tom Brady going to going to Denver to play the Broncos, and uh, or Marcus Mariota at uh, at Kansas City, which is the, which is the the best of the quarterback world,
2: right
0: there. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think. Oh, that's your question. Well, I'm sitting Mariota for Rivers, um, but I think he he can't sit Tom Brady. Just when do you think he's gonna? They're gonna find ways to exploit that defense. I don't. Think, don't you think Nick?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I, I'm personally sitting Mariota this week for Cam Newton, and yeah, if I had Tom Brady, I think even though that Denver defense is scary, I think I would still roll Tom Brady.
3: Yeah, it's kind of weird. Anybody who does the ESPN uh, fantasy uh, will see that Brady. Um that Mariota is projected out at more points than Tom Brady, but Brady gets the better rating here. So uh again, you know, in the playoffs I guess you gotta dance with the uh, the girl who brings you. And uh mm. so I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and take Brady. But I have another little one too, and that's in my flex position, Spencer Ware at home against Tennessee or Tevin Coleman at home against uh, San Francisco.
0: Wow, it's it seems weird because technically Tevin isn't the starter but uh is it half point PPR, right? Yes. Yeah, weird, I think huh? I would probably play Coleman. I would probably play Coleman in that in that uh scenario. What do you think, Nick?
1: I agree, and it's not without risk because, as he said, Coleman is the number two, whereas Ware is the number one, but that matchup against Tennessee's run defense would scare me away. Plus, Tevin Coleman has a really juicy matchup against San Francisco. I think I would go with Coleman, too. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, I've been going through that with Coleman all year. He's not, he's not the number one guy, but I keep seeing him you know, pile up numbers. And, uh, but it's almost been impossible to predict when he's going to do it. Um, but he does have like you say a juicy matchup against San Francisco so you know it's it's almost hard to uh it's hard to comprehend I have Ware in right now um but uh I will take that under advisement uh Ware is is rated out is projected out just a little bit more than Coleman but uh, at least I have until Sunday to decide that right because uh we have a yes, sir. it's not the Thursday night game and it's not the Saturday game so um and we have a couple of early games here. Oh, last week, you guys. Last week's results. Do um uh Nick and I both tied at 9-6-1. and one. Shouldn't I get extra credit? Didn't I predict a push on the New England game on Monday night? Or was that you, Josh?
0: <laughs> I don't know. I feel like it was me. Uh, no, I think you said this is the
3: kind thing? of game – I think you said this is the kind of game that looks like you think you should go against New England, but they somehow find a way of pulling it out. Oh, you predicted 20 to – I wrote it down here. You predicted 20 to 12 New England. So you predicted an eight-point New England win, and they won by seven. And I think I wanted to pick the push. Anyway, uh, Nick and I were both nine and six, and Josh, you were – excuse me, nine, six, and one. And Josh, you were seven, eight, and one. So. None of us has a, a whole lot of bragging Rice, although nine and six will do. Right, Nick?
1: Oh, I'll take that every time, as bad as some of my, my weeks have been this year.
2: <laughs> oh, and
3: on our sweeps, uh, I'm kind of proud of us. On our sweeps, our first three all lost. We all had Oakland, Denver, and San Diego. But then after that, we hit four in a row. We hit the Houston Texans. We hit the Vikings. We hit Tampa Bay. And we hit Green Bay. So, good job, guys.
0: All right. Sorry about Oakland, guys. Hey, told you it makes yeah, me what, nervous and everybody trusts them.
2: <laughs>
3: well, yeah, well, we've got an interesting one for Oakland this week, too. But let's start out with the Thursday mm-hmm. night game. The uh, L.A. Rams are in Seattle to take on the Seahawks. Now, this was 15. Seahawks favored last night by 15. This morning I got up there now 16. And just I just checked it a little while ago, but let me check it to make sure they haven't gone up any more points. <laughs> uh, still 16, 16 at the south point here in Las Vegas, which is the, the, uh, the line we're using. So go ahead. I, you know, we always talk about the bad matchups on Thursday night, but just for that reason that uh, Jeff Fisher's been fired and the fact that it's Seattle and they got beaten so bad last week, this is going to be an interesting game for me.
0: Yeah, I don't think it probably will. My my initial projection for this uh game I wanted to write eighteen. I really did, but I only wrote fourteen. And that was pre pre the Fisher firing. Um and I love the fact that it's going up more, but I I'll I'll lay those points. I just think Seattle's gonna be pissed. They're gonna smell blood in the water with a team without a coach. There yeah, this there, there's gonna be little continuity. I hope Jared Goff doesn't have a career-threatening injury in this game because I I think Seattle's just going to go off. So I'll take Seattle. Nick, what do you think?
1: Yeah, and I'm going with Seattle mostly because of the game they had last week. I think if they had uh, lost a close one or, or, uh, you know, coming off a win, I think I would go with the Rams and the new coach. But I think the way they got embarrassed last week with Russell Wilson throwing five interceptions, I think they're going to come out angry and just really take it to the Rams. So I'm going Seahawks.
3: Okay, Josh, you texted me uh, about you know what? How do teams do when they make a coaching change during the season? And I uh, happen to look it up, and I have some statistics for you. Uh, teams making right. coaches coaching changes in the middle of the season since 1996 are nine and thirteen against the spread. Now I have a however coming here because teams as a road underdog are six and four against the spread after coaching changes. Um, I think that
2: <clears throat>
3: I think LA is going to hang in there. I think you know they you know one of the players on LA said, you know, we we've got to get ready because because Seattle is not going to have any pity on us because we lost our coach and because we have you know injuries and things like that. And what you said that uh, Jared Goff having an injury, I you know I kind of would would wish that or would hope that he would that he would not that he would get you know slightly injured and go out of the game because I think they have a much better chance with Case Keenum. Um, I you know we the Rams always seem to have a way of playing Seattle pretty close, but that was when Jeff is Jeff Fisher was their coach. I'm still gonna take the Rams to hang in there. <laughs> I'm gonna take plus sixteen points with the Rams. Don't know how they're gonna do it somehow they're gonna do it, so I'm gonna take the rams
0: okay. well, and I can't blame you that many points in the Nfl game it's not you're not gonna yeah it's not 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 a bad not a bad strategy but uh, you know yeah, and teams in these divisions they yeah. Yeah,
3: it it was a it was a real weird thing. I know we make fun of uh, Jeff Fisher because of his 500 record and it's but it's too bad that uh that uh, that he's without a job. They could have they could have waited till the end of the season and and not had any other, you know, ramifications, I think.
0: Or 10 days ago, don't fire the guy Monday when you play on Thursday before you play a team that you actually beat <clears throat> earlier in the year, you know? <laughs> it just doesn't Yeah, make I sense don't to me, but.
3: I don't think there's any precedent. I mean, there was no category for teams changing coaches on Monday before a Thursday night game. So, uh we're yeah. we're in we're in new territory here. Yeah. Okay, right. the Saturday game okay. could be uh could be uh, one of the uh, don't care games of the week. Didn't they they used to have two games on Saturday, didn't they?
0: Yeah.
3: The NFL, yeah, an early game and a late mm. game and uh at least one of them would be good. Well, we got Miami traveling to uh, <laughs> to New York to play the Jets, and I guess you know Miami is still in the playoff hunt very much. So you know there, there's a little bit of interest here, but Miami favored by two and a half over the Jets.
0: Okay, um, the game is in the Jets, so Jets are home team dog. I I, I think Miami. Got this. I, I I feel pretty confident in them. Even though they're starting a backup quarterback, I think uh, I think they'll be all right. And they're just going to feed J J the ball, and Matt Moore will make plays when he needs to. So I'll I'll go I'll go with the Dolphins in this one. Nick, what do you think?
1: Yeah, I agree. Mostly because uh, there's reports that some of the Jets players have kind of given up on the season and are not putting forth 100 percent effort out on the field. Whereas the Dolphins do still have something to play for. So even with the backup quarterback Moore, I'm still going to go with the Dolphins.
3: And if you notice, remember we talked about teams with new quarterbacks. I mean, you know, forget about new coaches. New quarterbacks um, will do really well. You notice Bryce Petty kind of played the end of that game, that Monday night game, and then he started the game in San Francisco. And uh, the Jets came back and won the game, albeit it was against the, the 49ers. But nonetheless, they came back and won when a lot of people, you know, didn't give much of a chance. Um, now this is the week when the Miami starts the new quarterback, so you're going to get a, a stepped up effort from everybody else on the team, and I think they, they kind of hope that uh, Tannehill can make it back before the end of the year. I don't know if uh, you know what the latest is on that, but nonetheless they have the new quarterback. Now when a team has a new quarterback, the, the, the game where where they won't do as well is the second game. For the new quarterback. So this is the second game for Petty. It's the first game for Moore, and I still think the, that Miami is better anyway. So I'm going to uh, make it a clean sweep, and I'll take the Dolphins here. All
2: right.
3: Okay, we'll start the Sunday early games, and like you, you alluded to that later, they uh, or you alluded to that earlier, Josh. The uh, Tampa Bay and Dallas game has been flexed out to the Sunday night game, so. We'll wait on that one. Um, Detroit. The uh, Lions are in uh, New York to take on the Giants, who are favored by four and a half. Giants by four and a half over Detroit.
0: Oh, oh. It just seems like a few too many points. I don't trust the Giants enough. I know Bark or. Uh, Stafford's got the finger issue going on there, but I I just don't trust the Giants enough to give them that that much. So I'll take Detroit for the the road dog there. Nick, what do you think?
1: Uh, I'm going to go the other way, and it's mostly due to the Stafford uh, hand injury. If he was fully healthy, I think I would probably lean Detroit, but I, I just have to see him. You know, it's it's one thing to play the same game that the injury happens, but then, you know, another week sets in and, you know, stiffness and whatnot. So uh, I'd be a little bit hesitant to, uh, to go with Detroit in this one, so I'm just going to go with the Giants.
3: This is a really uh... – even matchup, the New York Giants are in the top ten against wide receivers and running backs. Detroit is ninth and twelfth against wide receivers and running backs, so they're very similar as far as their defense goes. And you wouldn't believe that Detroit usually, you know, it's usually the all offense. Uh, the Giants are six and one at home and three and three on the road. They're six and three in conference. Detroit is also six and one on the road and three and three at home. They're seven and two in conference. Um, which uh, the conference records are, are important this time of year, just uh, simply because of uh, playoff standings. Um, I'm going uh, to the, uh, the the you know we, we talk about the Lions all the time, always you know having to come back at the end, you know in the fourth quarter, being down by three or four points. So I'm going to count on that happening, and I'm going to count on the uh, Lions either winning or keeping it within within four points. So I'm going to take Detroit.
0: Yeah, I think Nick said earlier eight eight of their nine victories have been fourth quarter comebacks. I think something like that. Is that right, Nick? Yeah.
3: Yeah, we'll look to we'll we'll hope that happens again. Okay, Baltimore Ravens are at home against the Eagles, and the Ravens are favored by six.
0: Wow. Um, I suppose Baltimore needs to get in. Phillies just lost four straight. That line makes sense. Um, I feel like it's a little bit too many points, so I, I don't know why, but I'm going to take Philadelphia plus the six points. I know Baltimore's got a solid defense, and they're going to give uh, the rookie Carson some problems, but I'll, 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 take, a, I'll take Philly giving those points. Nick, what do you think?
1: Uh, I'm going the other way. I'm going to go with Baltimore simply because, you know, the Eagles' backfield being dinged up plus Baltimore's number one run defense is going to put a lot of pressure on the rookie Carson Wentz, who is not playing as good a football right now as he was at the beginning of the year. Excuse me. So, yeah, I, I just think that's I, – I think the Ravens can win this by a touchdown and an extra point. So I'll go with Baltimore. You
3: know, so much has been said about the um, – the. Uh... Philadelphia defense, but they've given up 28 points, an average of 28 points per game the last four games. Uh, the Baltimore defense, let's say Baltimore can hold them to 10 points. They've got a good defense. Um, that means if Baltimore, you know, if Baltimore scores seven points less than the Philadelphia is giving up per game, that they're going to have it. You know, they're going to beat the spread easily. So I'm going to go ahead and take uh, Baltimore and give up those six points in that game. All right. All right, my Bears are at home. Against the Green Bay Packers. The Packers are favored by six and a half points at Soldier Field. Um, Green Bay is five and four in the NFC, but he's giving up uh they're giving up rushing yards. The Bears will hang with them. Um, I just think that uh, there's just something funky about this game and I'm kind of going against, uh, against history because the bears in 2010, the bears won 20 to 17, but since then they've lost by less than seven points only once, uh, at home against the Packers. I still think the bears are going to hang in on this one. It's a, uh, it's a black and blue division game and I'm going to take the bears plus all those points.
0: All right. Um, what was the spread again? Six and a half. Yeah, I I like the Bears too. I just this is we talk about it all the time with these division games. You gotta you gotta throw off the records. It just you just never know. And in Green Bay obviously looked hot last week against a very solid defense. But uh, yeah, I'll I'll take the Bears. They'll they'll lose by six, not six and a half. Nick what do you think? Well another thing, Josh,
3: um Green Bay after after beating Seattle up, you know, so badly last week is is gonna be a little bit overrated this week. So uh, you're probably getting a few extra points yeah.
1: with the Bears that you shouldn't have.
0: Very true, very true. Nick what do you think?
1: Uh, I got to go with the Packers. I just think they still have – I'm pretty sure they're still alive in the playoff hunt, so that means they have something to play for more than Chicago does anyway. And uh, you know, I don't think they're going to win this by 21 points or anything crazy like that. It'll be a fairly close game within 10 points, but I think it's six and a half. I think that's that's low enough where I can still go with the, with Green Bay.
3: All right. Just couldn't make it a sweep, could you, Nick. <laughs> Sorry about that <laughs> Alright The uh, Indianapolis Colts are in Minnesota uh, And the Vikings are favored by four I think it may, um, it may end up Four to nothing <laughs>
0: uh, No Wow That seems right about right I'll take the Vikings, I don't love it I just think absolutely Nothing of that Indianapolis defense So I Sam Bradford's gonna actually have time to throw. This is something he hasn't had all year, and I think he's gonna have time to throw and I think he'll make plays. So I'll go with the Vikings in this one. Nick, what do you think?
1: I think four points is just too many. This one feels like a field goal at the end type of uh, type of game to win it, so I have to go with the Colts simply because of the point spread. If it was if it was maybe a two point spread I might think about going Minnesota, but four points is just too many for me.
3: Um, defense, I'm going to take the team with the defense and uh, trust that somehow Bradford can come up with uh, with 14 to 21 points somewhere. You know, this was another decision I had to make, Julian Edelman against the Broncos' number one pass defense or Stephon Diggs for Minnesota. Um, I, I went with Edelman just because uh, I'm going to stay with him. But it's not Sunday yet either. Um, I'm going to go ahead and take Minnesota. I think they can somehow scratch up enough points to beat Indianapolis and every, you know every time I give up on Indianapolis they come through with a big effort <clears throat> and every every time I jump on the bandwagon then they they look like uh, like losers so you know Indianapolis is probably going to win this game but I'm going to take Minnesota up there in their uh, the brand new
0: stadium I'll take the Vikings I I would I liked the uh, Brady Edelman stack you have going on there but Edelman doesn't score touchdowns. I think Diggs can find himself a big, long touchdown this game. So my personal thoughts, I think I would probably play Diggs over Edelman. In this situation. Well, they're pretty close,
3: too. Yeah, close as far as, uh, their, you know, ratings and, and projections and everything like that. So anywho, we'll move on to Cleveland. Uh, actually, we'll move on to Buffalo. Uh, Cleveland is playing at Buffalo. <laughs> the, uh, the Bills are favored by 10 points.
0: Wow. Um I love Buffalo at home. They they disappointed me last week, but that doesn't mean they're going to do it two weeks in a row. They just too much going for them. And because I'm so confident this will be the game that Cleveland finally wins. But uh yeah, Buffalo Buffalo at home. I'll take I'll take the take delay those points, why not? And if they lose, Rex Ryan gets fired, right? Nick, what do you think? <laughs>
2: Yeah, yeah,
1: it wouldn't surprise me if they did lose if Ryan were to get fired, but. Ten points is just too much. Buffalo, they're gonna win this game, but they're such a run-heavy team uh, that you know they don't really blow people out when they do win. I would guess, and uh, Cleveland, they're they're fighting to not go 0 and 16. Nobody wants to be 0 and 16. So even though most teams out of the playoff race don't have anything to play for, Cleveland really does. Plus, and you know I don't have faith in in the Browns to actually win this game, but I think they can keep it to within 10. So I'll, I'll take Cleveland. The Bills
3: have a habit of uh of winning games by big scores
0: uh at
3: home. I mean, last week notwithstanding, uh they kinda ran into a buzzsaw. That's Le'Veon on Bell playing in the snow. Um let's see, their other uh their other home games. They beat the Cardinals by fifteen. Uh let's see. The Bills. Anyway, um I think they can do it, and just on principle, I'm not going to pick the the Browns again for the rest of the year. Uh, I, I picked them last <laughs> year. I picked them last week to win their first game, and 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 it wasn't even as close as the final score. So I, I've uh, given up having hope for the Browns. I'm going to take Buffalo minus ten, and and like you say, Josh, uh, Rex Ryan would be fired if he, if he's behind in the fourth quarter. He, he should just. pass. Go in and pack his stuff, and have one of the assistant coaches coach the rest of the game for him. Uh, so I'm gonna I'm gonna take the Bills here. Tennessee. Yeah, Titans the Bills are, are like. In,
0: what's that? Go ahead. I was gonna say uh, Cleveland's like the second worst rush defense in the league. Buffalo's got to be one of the top rushing offenses in the league. It yeah. like, seems way too easy.
3: Unless all those black rubber things that they took out of the field last week has any effect on it.
0: Yeah, I I heard heard about that, but kind of don't care. I don't know.
3: I it's just kind of strange in this day and age of the brand new prescription turf and everything with those uh that you know the manufacturer had to send out some kind of warning that says do not use a do not use a, a power shovel on this field or something like that I don't know somebody didn't get the memo but uh nonetheless <laughs> let's 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 move on Tennessee the Titans are playing at Kansas City against the Chiefs and the Chiefs are favored by I hate this number kind of a dead number. Chiefs are favored by five and a
0: half. I think with the prowess that Tennessee could run the ball and Houston, excuse me, the Kansas city missing Derek Johnson in the middle. um, That could be good IDP stats for Rameek and uh, DJ Alexander. But I think, uh, I think that's too many points. I, Kansas City, you know, really shocked a lot of people when they lost that game to Camp at home. And I think, I think Tennessee could do it. It's not going to be pretty. There's not going to be a whole lot of fantasy points scored in this one uh, unless, you know, DeMarco gets a couple short yardage touchdowns. But I, I think that's just too many points. I think Tennessee will know what they need to do to keep this game close. Nick, what do you think?
1: Well, yeah, you hit the nail on the head. Uh, you know, Tennessee's strength is their running game, and Kansas City's weakness is their pat- or run defense. Uh, there's the sixth worst, worst defense against the run, 123 yards a game. So, yeah, I, I think Tennessee can win this one outright. So if you're giving me five-and-a-half points, i got to take the Titans all day.
3: Yeah, and, and one thing we have to remember here, guys, is that uh, Kansas City really doesn't do blowouts. And I, and I know they're only favored by five-and-a-half points. And, you know, if they won by six or seven, it wouldn't be a blowout. But if 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 they're not inclined to blowouts, um, I'm going to take Tennessee. I'm going to take the visiting team to, to play within the five-and-a-half points. Plus, it was a big win last week. Uh, and now, you know, Kansas City has uh, has, you know, it's kind of a sandwich game between Oakland and I believe Kansas City still has, uh, has another game with Denver coming up. So um, we'll look for, you know, a little bit of a letdown on the Kansas City part. And uh, Tennessee is, is fighting for the championship in the, uh, in the AFC South. So uh, I'm going to go ahead and take Tennessee to keep this one close and stay in the game. Right. Jacksonville Jaguars are in Houston. And uh, the Houston Texans are favored by six
0: I don't know how Jacksonville's going to keep it close but I just feel like that's a little bit too many points. I think it's a 30 26 game or something like that. I don't know how they'll score that many points, but I think it's a I think it's closer than six points so I'm i i I have no idea why, but I'm taking Jacksonville
1: plus those points. Nick, what do you think? I got to go the other way, and yeah, this is one. If I were in Vegas, I wouldn't touch this game at all. But uh, I and I hate picking Brock Osweiler, especially with that big of a point spread—six points. But uh, yeah, I just think the, you know Houston still has something to play for, whereas Jacksonville's plan to get their coach fired and hopefully start again next year. So I got to go with the Texans. Mm-hmm.
3: Well, I would say Jacksonville had a slight chance in this game if they ran the ball, um, but um, they've won they won once on the road in that Chicago. So let's assume Jacksonville is going to lose the game, and I just you know against Houston's record at home, I think they've uh, they've won most of them, if not if not all of them, and I don't have the statistics right in front of me, but uh, Houston's a good home team. Jacksonville. Um, if they do beat the spread, it'll be uh, Blake Bortles, you know, uh, doing his MOPA, his his garbage duties in the fourth quarter. But I, I still got to take Houston in this one. I'll take the, uh, I'll take the uh, Houston Texans. They're fighting for first, also. All right, the next game. I believe this next game, Pittsburgh at Cincinnati, was supposed to be the uh, Sunday night game, and they got flexed out of it. And it's now a ten. It's now an early game, ten o'clock here on the uh, West Coast. Uh, Pittsburgh favored by three and a half points at Cincinnati.
0: Wow. Um, yeah. Wow. I love a good home team dog, but I think Pittsburgh will. This is they need they need to keep winning to stay to stay where they want to in the playoffs. So I I think they'll take that advantage and just trounce Cynthia. I, I really as much as I like I like Dalton and company. I just, I feel like Pittsburgh is going to have a chance. I think it could be close, but I think it could uh, I think we could see like a, a fourth quarter breakaway from Pittsburgh in this one. So I'll take Pittsburgh, lay those points. Nick, what do you think?
1: Yeah, I agree with you. Even though A.J. Green is practicing again and maybe he's going to play, you don't know if he's just going to be a decoy out there, you know, running routes at 50% of his full strength. That, that was a pretty nasty injury that he suffered, you know, the initial reports anyway. So I'm a little bit surprised that he's coming back so soon. So, yeah, for that reason, mostly I, I have to go with Pittsburgh.
3: Like most AFC North games uh, or teams, these two teams are mortal enemies. Um, it's always a hard hitting game. I am going to Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh, is going to, you remember, is going to be a little bit overrated from last week's game. Uh, you know, the way they, uh, well, especially with Le'Veon Bell and everything. Um, they, the Steelers are four and three on the road and, and their wins on the road have been over Washington early in the season. And then Cleveland, Baltimore, and Buffalo, um, I think Cincinnati can hang in this game, and it just—it's one of these that looks almost too good. So I'm going to go ahead and, and uh, take the Bengals to hang within uh, three points in this game. Just—just uh, just a feeling. I like the hook. Maybe a—did uh... you see Cincinnati drop Nugent? Yeah. Baked up Randy Bullock. So a Randy Bullock field goal, maybe. <laughs> Is a difference in this game. I don't know. You know, I'm, I, I'm, I think, everything just screams the I underdog think, <laughs> in this game to me. So I'm going to take Cincinnati.
0: I was going to make it what? really bad, Mike Nugent. Cat. I think Nugent's got cat scratch fever.
3: <laughs> Sorry, I think so.
0: Hey, so um,
3: on this game, a little side note is uh, is AJ Green going to be back, or I mean, not this game, but sometime in the season?
0: I don't know why he they would play him, but that's that's their hope. I mean, they're out of it. I don't know why they would even risk it. It'd be stupid to play him. But they have said he he wants to play when he's ready. So okay. more power to him. Um
3: what was I going to say? Oh, uh, one of the guys in our league already dropped AJ Green, so I I'm trying to pick him up, I'll find out tomorrow whether I get him on the waiver wire. So if not, I'll have him as a keeper for next year, correct?
0: Yeah, there you go. All right. Yeah. All sorry, right, we stayed. Full- sorry for the bad joke. Yeah, well, that's all right. Cat I'm sure nobody it. else has made that joke before.
3: <laughs> Cincinnati is going to cat scratch fever their way into the winning cer- winter circle on this game. All right, the later games uh, on this one. Arizona is hosting the Saints. The Saints are kind of an enigma the last couple of weeks. Uh, the uh, Cardinals are favored by two and a half.
0: I love the Cardinals at that number. I think that's – I'm a little surprised it isn't more, and I guess that's just because the Cardinals haven't been – playing well this year, but this is a dream matchup for Carson Palmer, like I said earlier. I I think they'll win this game by a touchdown. Nick, what do you think?
1: Uh, I'm going to go the other way, and even if this was a pick I think I would still go with the Saints. Um, I just don't believe in the Cardinals this year. Uh, Plus, uh, I saw they just uh, within the last hour or two cut Michael Floyd, who had that DUI arrest, so that hurts the receiving core a little bit. But yeah, yeah, that's that was my response as well. But so yeah, I, I got to go with the Saints.
3: That is a wow. Um, I don't know. I, you know how how does that hurt the psyche of the team? Was he was he well liked or was he not well liked on the team? Yeah. Uh, that, you know, uh, that, that is. Uh, I mean, if he wasn't, then you know they're probably going to say you know good riddance. Um, I just I, I don't trust New Orleans anymore. I. I uh, Atlanta's got, or excuse me, Arizona's just got too good a defense, um, pass defense in particular. So i am got a good feeling about Arizona this week. You know, it's mostly unfeeling here. I'm going to take the Cardinals, minus two and a half points. Uh, did you know that uh, the New Orleans defense, however, hasn't allowed 100 yards to a running back since the third game of the season? Um, wow. But Breeze has three interceptions in the last two games. So I'm gonna go with Arizona and the defense I know. This one again looks well, no, it doesn't look too easy. I just think Arizona's gonna do it here. We will move on to San Francisco and Atlanta. Atlanta is uh favored by thirteen and a half. All they have to do is win by two touchdowns, Josh. <laughs> Falcons by by thirteen and a half over San Francisco.
2: Wow.
0: Um, that, that, that number seems right. I totally see this being like a 35, 20, 21 type of game. So that number seems perfect to me. So I'll take, I will take the Falcons and lay those points. Nick, what do you got?
1: Uh, I think if Julio Jones and, to a lesser extent, Mohamed Sanu were fully healthy, I think I would have no problem taking the Falcons with that spread. But I'm not convinced that they are fully healthy, so especially Julio Jones. That scares me a little bit. So just because the Falcons are dinged up, I will go with the 49ers. But the Falcons are going to win, but I think the Niners can cover the spread.
3: I'm going to take Atlanta also just simply because I you know, I, I wanted to pick San Francisco, so I looked at their road record, and it, it, it's not good. So I'm going to go ahead and take Atlanta minus the points. They're uh, up against the wall with Tampa Bay threatening them. Uh, they aren't going to leave anything to chance here. So uh, we'll take Atlanta minus the points. All right, big one. I'm surprised this isn't the Sunday night game uh because you know it's uh, how how often do they resist putting the patriots on sunday night but uh this is a uh, afternoon game new england is at denver and the patriots are favored by a field goal
0: wow uh, i Patriots, I think they, they have enough to win this game. Where they don't need to win this game, I think they're not going to just lay down and let Denver beat them. So I, I, I think that number's right about right. I'll I'll take that. I'll take the Patriots and lay those points. Nick, what do you got? Yeah,
1: of all the games this week, this one feels the most like a push to me, but I, I think I'll still go with the Patriots. I I think they're going to win, so you know, uh, hopefully they can win by three or more, but uh, I'm, I'm going to go with New England. I just think they're the
3: better team. You know, I from your mouth to God's ears, you know, I hope Brady has a big game just for my for the Surgeon Turtles. Uh that's my fantasy team's sake. Um but I am going to go Denver has a has a way of winning these games. And again, you know, I I, I feel a push here too. So maybe we should all just pick a push, but I'm going to take Denver. I'm going to take the home team in a in a point spread that feels right so i'll take denver plus three and uh new england wins it oh brady has a big game to win new england wins it 48 to 45 how's that all right which will oh, never okay. happen but yeah all right josh you get first uh kick at the pup this time oakland is favored over san diego the raiders on the road favored by two and a half does this look too good
2: Oh, yeah,
0: oh, I'm a little surprised they're favored, but I think you know with Melvin Gordon being out, I think uh i don't know if that's official, but that's probably helps that or hurts that uh, I will take Oakland as long as you guys both don't take' them.
2: <laughs>
0: uh yeah i'll take I'll take Oakland and lay those points it seems about right. Nick, what do you think? Well, sorry to disappoint
1: you, Josh, but I am also going with Oakland. I I just think the the San Diego Chargers right now are the walking wounded, and I I just don't – you know, they're still playing with effort, but I just don't think they have enough pieces left to be able to hang with the talented Oakland Raiders offense.
3: This is one of those that – the sports book uh, Oakland is a uh, is a real big favorite here at the at the sports books in Las Vegas. Um and and I can and I look at this and I see, you know, if I was just coming in up the street and I looked and I saw Oakland favored by two and a half and Melvin Gordon's out, wow, why wouldn't you take Oakland? So it's on those games that I make sure and go the other way because the casinos usually win money. So I'm going to take the Chargers uh, plus the two-and-a-half against Oakland. I I don't know why. It just looks dangerous. Oakland lost last week and everything, and they have to have the game. Um, but uh, maybe a uh, maybe a Seabass field goal at the end to win by two. They're down by one, and Seabass kicks a 50-yarder to win by by two points. That would be good. That would be good. I'll take San Diego.
2: All right. our, uh,
3: our, our sweeps are few and far between here this week, guys. All right. Uh, Sunday night, they uh, flexed into it. Uh, and this is a good game. I, I'm very interested in this one. Sunday night football, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are at Dallas, and the Cowboys are favored by seven. Uh, the Cowboys, another big favorite team at the sports books.
0: Hmm, seven, huh? That's that's too many points. I think Tampa showed where they didn't, you know, throw up a lot of points at at New Orleans last week. You know that team does at least know them, so that I think that's kind of why that game was closer than everybody expected, or why it was so low scoring. Tampa has been a pretty hard out since that win at Kansas City and I I expect them to keep that going I don't know if they're going to beat Dallas coming off of a loss but I think this could be a really really entertaining game to watch and a close game for that matter so I will take uh, I'll take Tampa plus the seven Nick what you got
1: Uh, I'm right there with you. I mean, we found out it only took one loss to get Tony Romo rumors starting to swirl there in Dallas. So, uh, you know, Dallas tends to be one of those teams that every single year come December, they just start to tank. And like you mentioned, Tampa Bay's already proven this year that they can go on the road into tough environments and win like they did in Kansas City. So, yeah, I'm going to go with the Buccaneers here.
3: I'm with you guys. I don't know what the uh the count was at last I think last week uh, the the Buccaneers were 5 and 0 against the spread and uh straight up with Doug Martin in the lineup. So now they'll be uh, they'll be 6 and 0 or maybe was 6-0 and last week, and now they'll be 7-0. and But nonetheless, they haven't – they had Doug Martin. They, they won with Martin at running back early in the season. Then he went down with the injury. Ever since he's been back, they're undefeated. So I'm going to go ahead and stick with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You don't want to stand in front of a team that's on a roll like this, especially when they're getting seven points. I know in, – and in Dallas is maybe a little bit uh, trying to find themselves a little bit after losing last week and only scoring seven points. And Tampa Bay's got a defense, you guys. So uh, you know, I like a good defensive team. It's on a roll, uh, getting seven points. So we'll sweep that one. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Monday Night Football, Carolina. Uh, Carolina at Washington. The uh, Redskins are favored by four and a half points. Josh, you get. Uh, I don't know who you who do Nick. you want to go first, <laughs> Nick? Oh, that's Nick. right, it's Washington. <laughs> I'm sorry, Nick. <laughs>
0: Well,
1: I'm going to take the skins and I know it's risky, especially as bad as they tend to be in prime time. Um, But I just think they're a better team right now in Carolina. They also have a lot more to play for. So I think the skins can win this one and hopefully I'm right. But uh, again, this is probably one I wouldn't touch if I were in Vegas.
2: I
0: I don't know. I, I think that's a little bit too many points, so I'll I'll go with Carolina. I expect Washington to to eke this one out by one or two points, but that just seems too many points. So I'll take uh, I'll take Carolina.
3: Carolina's not a good team this year, and uh, I think they they uh, they they you know kind of shot their shot their load last week, um, in uh, finally getting back on the winning track and saying, hey, we can win again, but you know, the I think that was it. I, I think that's it for the Panthers for the rest of the season. I, I, Washington needs the win. They need to stay in the playoff race, and uh, I'm going to look for a big effort from Kirk Cousins and company here. So I'm going to I'm going to go with you this time, Nick, and I'm going to take uh, the Washington Redskins uh, minus four and a half in this game.
0: Okay, so the, I only got two right. sleeps. Is that all we had?
3: No, for those of you uh, looking to earn money in Las Vegas this week, we uh, we all took the Dolphins, minus two and a half. We all took the Tennessee Titans, plus five and a half, and we all took Tampa Bay, plus seven. Two underdogs and a favorite.
0: Yeah, yeah, okay. So and Titans were five and a half?
3: Yes, plus five and a half. I all believe right. we all took the Titans. Anybody that didn't, raise your hand.
0: I didn't. I did. I did. I'm sorry. I did. Yep. All right. There's there's your. You didn't raise your hand.
3: (laughs) Okay.
2: I'm going to do a parlay on
3: those three. I'm going to do a parlay (laughs) on those three games. (laughs) All right. (laughs) All right. What it three ways. I got
0: you. All right. Cool. Thanks, Chuck. (laughs) We'll talk to you next week, but. Yeah.
3: Have a great week. Thanks. Good luck.
0: Oh, always good stuff from Chuck. Um, I wanted to send out a couple thanks, but I can only think of one person. I want to thank uh, 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 Reagan Yant, who is uh, the uh, the head master in chief over there at uh, Fake Pigskin, who also houses our good buddy Ron McLeese, who's been on the show before. But uh, Reagan apparently awarded somebody who gave him his biggest beat down in the scott fishbowl by giving him 50 bucks so i beat I, that ended up being me this year and i was not aware of this beforehand but i he just gave me 50 bucks he emailed it to me the other day so i want to take uh reagan out of uh fake pigskin for for honoring that and uh giving me 50 bucks so that i thought that was pretty cool so um any uh any closing thoughts well, I've just got to say that
1: I agree with Chuck uh, when he said earlier that the Rams fired Jeff Fisher too early that they didn't really gain anything by it. But, you know, I mean, I, I just feel like Jeff Fisher deserved the chance to be the all-time losingest coach in the NFL. <laughs> the fact that they fired him after he only tied the record, I just thought that was kind of Bush League.
0: Yeah, but at least he can get a job now because at least he won't be labeled as the all-time losingest coach in NFL history. Uh, he'll be tied as, you know tied for it. So uh and I think with uh with the Rams doing this now at least they'll they'll have time to sit back and see who might come available and who is available and uh I think I think they should have done it ten days before they did. Personally. I mean instead of announcing some stupid extension and giving him all this extra money then then to fire him ten two days two weeks later that didn't make much sense. So uh I mean he should have got fired. Yeah, no. Interesting. note, well, the coaches well, firing too. With... Go ahead.
1: I was going to say, especially when they asked the new interim head coach if he thought he had any chance of being the head coach next year, and he just flat out said no. Uh, so I don't really understand what the point of having an interim coach for the last three weeks if you're not even going to give him a shot at being the head coach next year. That, yeah, the all around the situation just didn't make a whole lot of sense to me.
0: Mhm. Which has been. Basically, the Rams for the last decade in a (laughs) nutshell. Uh, It it even even drafting the Gurley where they did. Everyone's like, "What? They got Tavon or got Trey Mason? They don't need a running back." Uh, It just didn't make sense, and obviously, it's it's hurting his his fantasy value now too. But uh, oh, I just thought I think it's quite interesting that over the last two years, the top two all the. Top quarterbacks. Look at uh, top four quarterbacks: Wentz, Goff, Winston, Mariota. Both Winston and Mariota, Mar- Mariota lost their head coach after one season. Now Goff did. Went and Wentz went to a team who fired their coach beforehand. So he's looking at he has a first-time head coach there now too. So I don't get that the fact that you're going to invest all this all this capital. And, dra- and then draft a quarterback, and then you're going to fire your coach. I mean, how it just feels like it's putting your franchise back uh, another, at least a couple more years. So obviously, Tennessee and Tampa have come out of it, and they're playoff-contending teams now, so maybe it was the right the decision. I don't know if the Rams are going to be that type of team next year. Just, just find it uh, too curious that these teams are doing that and then firing their coaches, spending a high, high pick, and spending draft capital to get those picks and then firing the coach just doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Any closing thoughts there, Nick? Uh, Just that was a very good point.
1: And with that being said, hopefully the Eagles do give Doug Peterson a little bit of leeway to, uh, you know, especially being that he's a former quarterback, you know, hopefully they give him the chance to try to coach Mm -hmm. Carson Wentz up and not give up on him after one poor season.
0: Okay. Um, if I could pick a Rams coach I want it to be John Gruden. I know he's been out of the league for quite some time, but I think he could develop Jared Goff and, into something. So Uh but uh yeah, and I think I don't think the expectation was the Eagles were gonna make the playoffs this year. I think everybody got overzealous the way they started and thought they were just gonna be awesome and then but they've come back down to life. They've you know, them as a coaching staff found their rookie wall and uh, as did Wentz, and he's come. He's coming out of it. I think the future is still very bright for Peterson and Wentz in Philadelphia there. so, But I could be wrong, too. So that's all we have for you this week. Hopefully, we, we hit on all your sit-and-starts, and we're going to do that one more time next week, and then take a week off. Thanks for listening to the Dynasty the Bowl
2: the Podcast. Oh, Thank, you. Thank you, Gail, and your flagger, and John Collins Johnson. It's <laughs>